0: You talk French in a very formal, this is the way it has to be, concrete way. And then when you go out and speak with people, they're speaking in an entirely different French. They have all the slang and they have all the idioms that I was not used to.
1: Hello and welcome to I am French with me, Karen French. Six years ago, I packed up my life in London and I moved to rural France. It's been a challenge. This is a podcast where I talk to other non-Frenchies who've chosen to settle here in France. Each week, my guest and I will discuss the joys and challenges that come with living in a different country, and share stories of our adventures in La France. Beyond the fantasy, I'm interested in the real experiences of living here, with its frustrations, wonders, and hilarity. The process of uprooting ourselves is not a small thing, and nor is putting down new roots. Here we discuss how we have each navigated this journey. This episode is brought to you by Plato Agency. If you're in the market for a new website, or if you want to refresh your current site, I can highly recommend Plato Agency. I thought I'd be able to build my website myself, but actually, I was so glad to have help, and Plato Agency were efficient, professional, and supportive at every stage. They took care of all the techie stuff, advised on SEO and optimising everything, And even the contract was enjoyable. Yeah, the contract. And get this, my website designer is called Matt French. I swear to God. He's no relation and I don't scour the internet for anyone called French just because it's bang on brand. I promise. So Plato Agency are offering I Am French listeners 20% off to build you a beautiful, bespoke website. For an average 10-page website, this service includes the first year of hosting, email, plus copywriting and images. Also, if you supply your own copy, they'll be even more generous. Go check out plato.agency and mention I am French to unlock your exclusive 20% discount. Thank you very much to Plato Agency. My guest this week is Elizabeth Hall, a Californian who moved to Paris over two years ago with her husband and daughter. We chat about her blog, Sun Kisses, navigating the French customs and culture, and the differences between life in LA and Paris. We also talk about how her role as a mother has changed. As Elizabeth works on her French, her daughter acts as a translator. And the roles they had before have been somewhat reversed. We talk about race and her experience as a black woman in Paris, and also her interest in World War II. This episode was recorded before the second confinement. Please welcome Elizabeth Hall. Hello, Salut. Salut. so you? lovely to have you. Well, this is our second go because technology, but I was saying that every time I come across you on Instagram or on your website, there's so much color and joy and smiles coming at me. It's really lovely. So it's really Thank great you. to have uh, you here.
0: I'm living my best 12 year old life. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: you were telling me about how you went to uh, the cinema on Friday yes. for the first time in when? Six months?
0: It's been about seven months and we were such huge film goers when we were in Los Angeles that was kind of like a part of the culture. And here because of Virgin, Virgin Francais means that the movie comes in French. So we accidentally went to our first French movie thinking it was in English and it was called A Quiet Place. Are you familiar with that movie? (laughs) Yeah. We watched it entirely in French and we were able to keep up with it perfectly because there was really no dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the subtitles were in French and everything, so... Uh, We actually had a day-date while my daughter was in school, and we were able to see the movie Antebellum, which I was super excited to see. Tell me about that film, because I don't know it. It's kind of like, to me, a horror movie, but it's like a thriller. It's like... um, M. Night Shyamalan movie where there's a twist and you really don't know what's happening, so you kind of have to keep figuring it out as you go. And it is definitely a cautionary tale, kind of like The Handmaid's Tale, where um, you can see this happening in real life, even though it's a completely fantasy uh, thriller where there's no way this could happen. But at the same time, you're like, oh my god, this really could happen with what's going on in America. And it was just beautiful cinematography, excellent acting. The singer Janelle Monet is yep. the lead character. And um, it was just basically the story of a woman who was trapped in a, a slave a plantation, yet it was in modern day. And I feel like I'm giving away a lot of the plot, but it's crazy because people were actually kidnapping activists and uh, educated professors of color around Los uh, Angeles, around uh, America and putting them on a plantation and making them believe that it was like the 1850s. And it's a crazy mind bender. Like it was, my mouth was open the whole time. I was like squeezing my husband's hand the whole time. It was crazy. That is insane. Yeah.
1: And how timely! Unfortunately, yeah, but it, it was
0: so like relevant to what was going on. I was like, God, how did they know that like this was really happening? And it, it was it was by the guy who, um, Jordan Peele, who made Get Out and Us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know. Yeah, of the yeah. two movies, but yeah, yeah. yeah, it has that same like creepy feeling uh. where you're kind of on the seat of the edge of your seat the whole time. But it was really, really like gripping
1: um, for me. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. But that was in it. English. Sorry. Yes, it was in English. Oh, and okay.
0: you can rent it. So it's on streaming. You can go to that. Okay. It.
1: Yeah, that does save me a lot because, yeah, sometimes <laughs> films will pass in my town for like maybe a night one day. But yeah. I, you know, and then, then I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, oh, my God. So we'll we'll come back to that because we'll come back to race especially. But, um. I wanted to start off by asking you, what was your life like before you came to Paris? You
0: were in LA, right? I was in LA and I was a stay-at-home mom in LA as well as I am here. However, I feel like my role as a stay-at-home mom was really chauffeur. (laughs) Uh My daughter was uh, very active in swim lessons and she had volleyball and every activity you can imagine for a six-year-old girl and so I was basically running her around town trying to get to every appointment, every meeting, uh, very involved heavily in her private school so I was volunteering a lot of my time there and it was just a grind that we were in because there's a lot of social obligation in Los Angeles that we don't seem to have here because I feel like there's not a birthday party every weekend here and like when I mean birthday parties in LA, they really go out. I mean, they have taco carts making handmade tacos for you. And, you know, it's almost like that's your your social life when you're a mom among private school moms in L.A. So you have birthday parties, you have camping trips, you have uh, many uh, social obligations that you have to meet, dinners, brunches. And here it's a lot more chill, um, We've been to a few birthday parties and I was just shocked because the birthday party basically consists of you dropping your kid off. They may have a cake, may not, and they just play in their bedrooms for about an hour or so. And then you come pick them up. Whereas in L.A., I was just like, we have three birthday parties back to back. We have to make sure we go get their present. And it was just a lot of go, go, go. And here it's so much more calm and Uh, I just don't feel like I have to run around town to get everything done. Like, I'm so shocked that all the after school activities at my daughter's school are actually included in their curriculum. I don't have to take her to another facility and like get her there by a certain time. And she really is excelling because she has swim in her school that she does automatically. I don't have to take her across town for a 15 minute swim and yep. you know she does ballet that's the one thing i do take her to but it's only a few blocks away and oh my gosh she still has a full schedule but i'm not as stressed down by my car <laughs> i felt like a slave to my car
1: yeah was it
0: stressful Did oh you yes. find it? So- i mean yeah. she, her school was basically 30 minutes from our house, but forty-five minutes on a traffic. traffic, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So I live in a small um, town, and I felt. Um, well, we live in the town now. Before, when I, we arrived, I lived in the in in the countryside properly with the mm-hmm. cows. But I would find the same. You know, the end of the day of ferrying the kids around. I've done an hour in the car, and it's like, oh my god. You know, I'm living in this lovely place, but I'm just schlepping about all the time trying to. Right move the kids around you know yeah but um it's funny because the reputation of paris is that sometimes it can be a bit um a bit closed Midest. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so it's kind of it's nice that you your experience is not that you're um that is any different for, for for you do you feel the difference of being an american
0: i do mostly because uh There are cultural differences that I just cannot pick up on. Uh, There are nuances such as the school life. I'll I'll give you an example. Um, I was very involved in my daughter's school in Los Angeles. I mean, I knew all the staff, uh, basically watched all the children grow up together. So we had a tight-knit community and there were a lot of activities that the school would facilitate that we would end up doing together, like parents getting together and taking a ski trip during winter break. Whereas here with the school, I don't see the parent involvement close to the school. It's almost as if they want the parents to stay away and it's more hands off. I rarely meet the staff. I've only met her teacher a handful of times in two years and I don't know what's going on with the school so I have to put my trust in my kid that she's able to relay messages for me and there's a book that you write everything down in versus getting constant emails that I'm used to getting and being abreast of what's going on at the school. So um, I recently joined a group chat with the parents of the class that completely in French so I have to have my daughter translate what's going on with the school and half the time she doesn't know what's going on and so I feel like I'm um, on the outside of my daughter's academic progress and um, I just went to -to back-to-school night a couple of nights ago and everything was in French and my daughter was able to brilliantly translate everything for me but um, there isn't as much involvement like I kind of feel like I drop her off and good luck to you (laughs) whatever happens behind those walls I have no idea you know but you know from what she's gone through for the past two years it's really been good for us because I kind of feel like I'm not as much as a helicopter parent as I was in Los Angeles. I'm not nitpicky about so many things. I'm able to trust her with more responsibility instead of mom always packing to make sure she has everything. It's kind of given her a greater sense of independence. And that's one thing that I kind of feel like she didn't have the ability to have in Los Angeles because I was constantly on top of everything and taking care of everything for her. And, um, you know, the parents... There are a few that speak English that I'm grateful for their friendship, but, you know, we kind of all do our own thing. It's not like in Los Angeles, where uh, we had to constantly, let's get together and discuss what the uh, Thanksgiving gala will be, you know, yeah, yeah, planning events just for event's sake. Whereas here, we kind of just enjoy bumping into each other, occasionally have a coffee, but there's no great social calendar to commit to which sure. is totally opposite for me from where i was
1: yeah it's, it's i'm getting used to it yeah it sounds like it's yeah it's hard in some ways yeah. that change but yeah. also great for your for your daughter yeah um when i was hearing listening to you talk i was thinking that um i early on i found that difficult and i have to say I, it continues to kind of thread through depending on what's going on, but that, it's that, that lack of control, you know, I was learning the language. I never spoke French before I came either. And, um, and I just found it incredibly frustrating, Mm -hmm. you know, that you, you can't just manage your life in the way that you're used to doing. And so then it's kind of deeply vulnerable (laughs) and frustrating. And of course it's, it's also in your own hands to, you know, you can get the language, but still there are other things that play out. It's not just, I'm going to learn all the words and then I'll know how to do it. You know, and it's, um, but yeah, I came across those, what you were talking about that control of, of, of not operating in, in, in that way, in the way that you have. And so then you, you have an opportunity to soften or grow or, Develop and in this case, that's great, isn't it? That your daughter can also just go, "No, mom, let me explain." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I mean, so it's so great. Do you think? How do you think she feels about?
0: I feel like our roles have reversed. Usually, it's me who's giving her like this is the lowdown of what's going to happen and uh, this is how you play into it. And now it's the opposite. She's basically saying, you know. Uh, no, I've already taken care of that, mom. You don't have to worry about it. And uh, the school is taking care of this, so you don't have to deal with that. I mean, we used to make our lunch for our daughter every day, and now she has her 90-minute four-course meal at school, which she's not complaining about. And uh, I have to basically say, you know, what did you eat today? I have no idea. Like, she's basically having her own life at school, and I get to hear about it. Yeah. And, you know... There has been a few challenges with that because I don't know what the protocol is when you come in as an outsider, especially coming in in the middle of the school year, we came in in March, so um, we already had the language barrier and then we had the, this is our first time in a public French school, so much to learn. we got lucky. We found someone that spoke English at the school that was able to guide us through and help us along, but you know, dealing with the Mehrier, is that how you pronounce it? The Mary? school town hall? No, oh, the, yeah, yeah. Uh it's almost like they send you to the Marie when the school doesn't want to deal with you. And then the mairie oh. sends you to the school when they don't want to deal with you. So oh, I do classic. a lot of back and forth. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I love it. Uh, whenever I speak
1: to some French people, they're like, well, uh, française," and I'm like, I know, but it's just like, I want to, s- Cut my wrist—it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, La France. But oh my god, you know. And then, yeah. But once, you know, I know I I kind of have this. I expect to have those conversations now where I'm like, I don't understand. But I got so lost on a conversation once. This woman was trying to tell me how I was supposed to fix my problem, and I was like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it. And she said, Don't worry. Hang on. Wait there. And she went and made the call for me. Spoke oh. to somebody. Figured it out call me back and when I tell French people this they're like that's amazing yeah yeah like there was you know because generally it's like
0: oh well good luck yeah <laughs> yeah I recently had to get a note to prove that my daughter was enrolled in school for a lawyer and I go to the Marie and my daughter gets out of school at 30 this Marie closes at 4.30. So, my daughter has to come as my translator. So, I get there a little bit after 4.30. They're open. Everybody seems to be fine with us being there. And as soon as I ask her for the paperwork, she says, no, we are closed. We will not stay open just for you. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, this is a school function, but you close when the school closes. So, how am I going to do this? It was so weird. But luckily I was able to get the paperwork. It's almost like you just have to find the right person at the right time and then you get lucky.
1: Yeah. I thankfully have, you know, my husband who's done a lot of the heavy lifting since I've come, which has been, yeah, it's always helpful. But yeah, there's a lot of people that do speak more English than they let on as well.
0: So, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh, definitely. When they find out I'm from LA versus America. Oh yeah, they that want to talk to me all day long. Oh yeah, really? Definitely. I get asked if I know Ellen personally. <laughs> uh, what is it like to live in Hollywood? And you know, they just that's really brilliant. think that LA is the greatest place on earth. And I'm just like, well, I'm here now, <laughs> so. Whoa. Yeah, that's I surprising. Get a different treatment once they find out I'm from LA. Wow. Wow, that's all the better I mean, It's brilliant Yeah, I'm just, I'm getting audition tapes now <laughs> Everyone is aspiring actor Really? When they find out I'm from LA You're
1: joking Well, some
0: guy I met just told me he had the best English His English is great And he says, I learned it from watching Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad.
1: Oh my god Yeah Oh wait, they're giving you audition tapes? Or like, looking no. for you? No, they're not, you're joking I'm okay. kidding Sorry I'm kidding. <laughs> is me the sucker so how is the the, um, learning of the French language going
0: well I started off so strong I had an in house tutor and I was basically forcing myself to not speak English when I would go out and order at restaurants or do my grocery shopping I think I'm getting better at the grocery shopping because you can just say words and not necessarily have to phrase them or conjugate them and my understanding is tremendous versus when i first got here however it's when i'm at a restaurant ordering and the waiter just has no patience for me (laughs) that's when i get really nervous and i retract and i feel like i'll push forward well at home and then when i'm out in the real world i'll regress immediately because my accent may be off or i don't understand the context of things because you taught French in a very formal, this is the way it has to be, concrete way. And then when you go out and speak with people, they're speaking in an entirely different French. They have all the slang and they have all the idiom idioms that I was not used to. So I will say that I can understand the language and uh, use a lot of sign language. Basically, to get by. My, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely good at body language and reading the situation to understand, but I, I end up using "d'accord." okay? I end up saying bonsoir, uh, bonjournée. That's the extent of what I can use my French for because I'm in very few situations where I'd have to have a full conversation with someone mm. in French. So, I thought by two years by now, I'd be completely fluent and it would be the easiest thing I've ever done because I was immersed in French culture. But honestly, no matter how much French television I watch, uh, no matter how many Harry Potter books I've read in French, I'm still not there. I I think I'm about A2 is my level of French right now. Okay.
1: I'm not sure. It's like the school system and how they call cool. each year I don't know what a2 means but that is H beginner. Is
0: like a, a, yes. a second level beginner I believe okay and I, I've been trying to learn French for eight years before I moved here eight long years <laughs> I mean I've taken courses in college I've taken conversational courses I have every app that you can imagine I can say the boys are calm a million times in French. but I don't ever see a reason to ever say that in real life but I just don't seem to have the confidence to speak it like I'd like to speak it so I love uh, the language yeah it's so beautiful I hope to one day be able to speak it
1: it must be frustrating to have put in that effort you 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 spoke on your stories the other day about going into a shop and there was, you're waiting in line and there's all the social distancing going on. So, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that adds another kind of ambiguous layer to spacing, but then another cashier opened and somebody just went ahead and, 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 and it reminded me of those times where I've seen something that's going on and I think, well, that's not right. Or, I feel like I've just been totally ignored. Mm-hmm. But then when emotion gets involved and you're trying to then remember a phrase or how to uh, communicate, it, it can be really, um, really frustrating. And
0: Definitely. And then by the time you have facilitated a phrase to use and maybe even make the attempt, they're already checked out. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of like a losing battle to begin with and yeah. uh, I was in a store patiently waiting no hurry browsing but keeping my distance and I noticed even though there are dots on the ground acknowledging you should keep your space I'm standing on the dot and there's only one cashier there uh, I, I would assume that they would look and see you know just this woman need help I have a cart full of products I'm definitely ready to check out and I wouldn't even know what to say to the woman because if I even say pardon to someone to just move past them they kind of look at me like how dare you and (laughs) I've noticed it's it's more polite to just push through rather than bother someone with a pardon or excuse moi I I say that all the time on the metro and it's almost like how dare you say excuse me? And it's such a weird thing because for me, I was grow, I was just brought up with manners and, you know, there's, uh, I still say bless you when someone sneezes, you know? And me too! I, I don't know. It's just odd. I've been in grocery stores where the lines are extremely long and someone does open a new line and they will take the people at the end of the line
1: before yes. they take the
0: people that have waiting the longest and that's just the way it is here. Or people will stand next to you instead of behind you. And then when it's your turn, they'll just jump in front of you. And I don't know, maybe that's just the French way. It's almost like survival of the fittest.
1: <laughs> it's really that tricky isn't it, to, me. to, sorry to, to um, it's really tricky to ascertain what those differences are because you're thrown into such uncertainty what the hell is going on? Is this just me? Is this just this shop? Is this just Paris? Is this French? Is this me? I don't understand. Is it, you know, and you're just like constantly in that land of like unsure. Where is the boundary here and what is this shape I'm in and how do I navigate? It's like, Oh my God.
0: And it's not only that, but then I sometimes wonder, is it, well, how can they know I'm American? You know, sometimes (laughs) I I have this stigma of, I look American, you know, like, and then I'm like, is it because I'm a black woman? Well, I mean, I doubt it in this case, because there are black women working in the store that are perfectly fine, you know, working amongst everyone else. I, I don't see that being the number one issue here for me. But sometimes i have to ask myself was it or is it just i'm not assertive enough because uh if i am i just feel like i'm coming across as so aggressively rude uh you know loud pushy american i don't want to fall into that stereotype uh there are times where i've been on the bus with my daughter and i tell her okay you only speak french to me because i don't want these people to know that i'm obviously american so uh, oh i kind of have to play down my americanness just so that I don't feel like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. I mean.
1: But it's it's so, it, exactly, that you don't, that's, you just don't know. It's because you, and we spend all of this time mulling the stuff over, wondering, well, it could be this or that, and I don't know. And yet when you said to people, you're from LA, they're like, oh my God, it's amazing. Oh, you, yeah. know, you just don't, you don't know what the response is. So it's kind of. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky situation, too. And, and also, it yeah, is. like where well, you
0: spend a I, lot I've, of time. I've, well, yeah. I was going to say I've complained at a restaurant by being entirely looked over to place our order. And I just don't know what the the system is here. You kind of sit down and you wait for your waiter and he'll take all the time in the world to wipe a table. I mean, like, that is his mission to wipe this table for at least 30 minutes before you can order. So I've even, I, I hate to be like the, oh my God, pushy American again let me see your manager. But like we went to a restaurant once and we were just like, God, we just need to take our order. Please take our order for the love of God. What does it take? And when I told the guy behind the counter, you know, is there anyone available to take our order? Go sit down, someone will see you. And I just watched the guy just kind of lean against the counter and stare at us for like 10 minutes as if it was punishment. For asking to have our order taken. So it's things like that where I'm just like, Well now everything is awkward and you know, did I piss them off? And I just don't know when I should be assertive because it seems like the people who are assertive, they're getting what they need. But there's going to be an argument in order to have it. So There's gonna be what I want to spend arguing over an argument. Oh right, sure. there's there's arguments just have you ever seen someone and the person who hit the cars arguing with the person that they hit on the street It is crazy to me they will do something completely wrong and argue with the person as if it's their fault that they got hit they shouldn't have been there or something and that's a very strong mentality here
1: yeah i think my husband showed me uh, a comics uh, sketch about about that very problem yeah of a Mm -hmm. car and then the other guy is just going ballistic and yeah the the response is actually oh my god well it's just the end of the world isn't it and the guy who was initially getting all riled up is like oh what what what?" and it kind of just disintegrates them yeah i think that's what happens sometimes he shows me these things and i'm like i don't understand (laughs) french humor is (laughs) weird yeah yeah. I do. Although I do like, um, Fary. Have you, have you, come, do you have Netflix? No, but I will check it. this out. hugely stylish black guy who is, he's got a Netflix show called, um, Fary is the new black. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it, he's a French comedian. So it's obviously it, it's in French, but obviously cause it's Netflix, you can get it subtitles. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think I really like him. He's funny. And he doesn't, in, in this, in his first show, well, maybe his second one, he does talk about how the French are perceived. They complain a lot and they're mm-hmm. arrogant. And I think I laugh a little bit too loudly in my house when
0: <laughs> these kind oh, of shows yeah. come when, when you've gone through it, it definitely hits harder. In my first three months here, I, I have daily FaceTime calls with my best friend and my mom. I mean, that's just our ritual. And mm. they always ask me, so what happened today? What what went down today? I would just always have these stories for them. and. They got to the point after about three months of this is, are you happy there? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm immensely happy. Like everything is great. It's just, you sent me a package three months ago and I have been trying to track it down every day for three months and no one knows where it is. They literally just like leave it in the middle of the road and they're like, yeah, your package was delivered and it's up to you to play treasure hunt for this package. And it's things like that that they're like, why don't you just track it? And I'm just like, it doesn't exist here. It doesn't Because exist. it's French. <laughs> <So> yeah. <tough. laughs> it, I mean, chronopost, just, if I were to just spend a, an hour dealing with chronopost, I would probably speak better French <laughs> too now because of all you have to go through just to get your packages from them. It's almost like oh they God. hold them hostage.
1: <laughs> I've, I've sent stuff to England. This has never arrived. Yeah. Even a postcard, a yeah. card and and just goes off into the ether i don't know where into a special land of lost post Mm -hmm. somewhere so on your website it says you do tours
0: how's that going well i just spent a great deal of 2019 hosting many visitors from america from you i had a lot of people that were just in town that i happened Mm -hmm. to meet up with and organically, I'd always say, you know, do you want me to show you around? Or I could, oh, you want to find a great place to eat? I'll take you. And it started being a thing that when people came to visit me, I would give them a custom tour of like my favorite places because they didn't want to go to the everyday tourist spots. So I was showing them the, you know, Insider's Guide to Paris. And then I thought to myself, like, um, I'm doing this a lot. I'm pretty good at it why am I not doing this professionally? So let me do that. And then it seemed like tourism just came to a screeching halt. Like no more, no one's coming anytime soon. So I didn't really get a chance to get it up and going as a business, but I just thought it would be cool because I like to show people the weird side of Paris. Like everyone knows the beautiful typical tourist side, but I mean like I'm like, I'm gonna show you the street where all the prostitutes hang out around the corner from my house. <laughs> I, I, I found that road by mistake is my funniest story. I was
1: like one of I was like second or third time I went to Paris. And I got off at the metro <clears throat> and I was kind of in the vague area and I saw, you know and and then I wander down this road and then I'm halfway down and I think, oh, hang on. Mm-hmm. You'll know. I just stood <laughs> on the doorway and they and yeah. then they were looking at me like, why the fuck are you here? And I was like, uh-huh. whoa, I found the street with the prostitutes in the middle of the day. It was like yeah. two in the afternoon. And I was like, geez, all right. And then I get to the end of the road, turn right, and there's this amazing archway, classic yeah. Paris. And I was just like, Paris
0: is weird, man. Yeah.
1: Paris yes. is super weird.
0: Definitely. And that is literally my route home from the grocery store. So I'm always like, just look ahead, just look ahead. No eye contact, no eye contact. contact. No <laughs> eye contact. <laughs> yeah. It was very jarring for me the first few times because it was winter and it was fur coats up top and nothing on the bottom. Except Whoa. Some very fishnet tights and high, high stiletto hills and It does not matter what the weather is like. That is what they're advertising. Got it. I mean, it's very clear.
1: At least it's very clear. The other thing I found on your blog, right, when I was reading, was that you love World War II history and 60s French pop music.
0: I do. I do.
1: Uh, It must be good to be in France because there's a whole load of uh, World War II
0: my goodness. We did the Normandy beaches tour and it was just so sombering because I had always watched movies and read books about it. And just to be able to set foot on the soil and see the the bunker marks in the sand and and just to share all this history with my daughter and explain to her like how quickly things could have just ended up differently and what it would have impacted the world and just how much it affected civilians, not just the people fighting in the war. And, you know, my mom always grew up telling me, you know, the one thing that unites Europe differently than America. Is, they've had a war on their ground and they've had to live through it. Whereas Americans haven't had a war on their on their soil for hundreds of years. So it's almost like there's a brotherhood that is just inherently there because mm. of what they went through through that war. So it was just so immensely touching. I would just burst into tears just mm going through all these historical places we went to Samano and uh, all the villages that were impacted by World War II we saw the uh, paratrooper who whose parachute got caught on the steeple of a church and they have the dummies still there of wow. the paratrooper who was hanging from the church after jumping from a plane and he was there for about five and six hours just plain dead wow. and it was just immense, it blows my mind. And, you know, there's so much history here that uh, I just, I'm a nerd about. Mm. (laughs) I I happen to know all these obscure facts. And it's just great being able to share that with my kid, because she's really into it as well. And, you know, we watched Schindler's List before we came here. And she's always known about what happened here. But I think she saw it more as fiction and it's not real yeah like just being able to see it and we went to um i think you pronounce
1: it
0: sane uh the yeah. same uh it's near uh the ocean and they have this world war ii memorial and you know just seeing all the children's shoes and mm. the all the debris from when shrapnel would just fall into people's homes and it was intense like I was just blown away like that's yeah it's crazy it's crazy that that actually happened
1: yeah it's a very eerie place that north of France as well I've driven through there and it's almost as though the the air changes and you just it's Mm -hmm. flat but it's also you see fields of crosses Mm -hmm. and it's just like Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, it's Dunkirk is next on my list. I've got to get. Yeah.
1: There. yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I we recently saw the the film as well. They've they've done and uh, and that was just incredibly it's incredibly moving.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why I've always gravitated to <laughs> the <laughs> war. I'm such a girly girl in regular life and I love all colorful things, but at the same time I have all this like morbid, morbid curiosity towards death and like destruction. I, yeah, you <laughs> know, it's, it's really odd, but uh, I, I guess just growing up, I would read books from my mom's library that she may not have known that I had taken. So I got fascinated with things above my uh, age level sure at a young age i mean i was reading stephen king before i was even 13 years old so i would read about she had all the time life books of the World war ii and i would just stare at the pictures and just i couldn't even fathom going through all that and i i just hope that it doesn't happen again with the way the world's going that's Yeah. It's one thing I I really think about all the time is like, let's not keep repeating this. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because
1: you, to have that, that, um, that, uh, interest and knowledge around the real events, the horrific stuff that's happened in the past, but then the way you present in, in life is so much joy and color Mm -hmm. and positivity. And, and of course you need those two to balance, to balance out you know to kind of in the face of of the some horrific realities you know it's um it can be important to have to have that you that then you don't lead with depression that you kind of coming forward to you know with right
0: and i think that could be my subconscious maybe uh appreciating the sunshine and the, the brightness and having fun and enjoying life because of what other people have had to suffer through. Mm. It's almost like I cannot take this life I have for granted. And I cannot take the fact that I live in one of the most beautiful places on earth Mm. for granted. And I will learn French, (laughs) mark my word. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of expats who have been here about 30 years, and some of them say it it could take up to five years. I mean, I think I'm just under the impression because my daughter was four years old when she started French school, and by six years old, she was basically fluent. So I'm kind of joking. Yeah, but it's not fair, those little ones with their spongy brains. So I'm really hoping I can just maybe spend the next summer in the countryside and kind of force myself and yeah right I'll just yeah 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 do I'll do an intensive just i I have no alternative it's gonna be fight or flight, and I'm gonna yes. do it go yeah I'm there <laughs> i'm I'm yes. your French
1: cheerleader Karen French sea cheerleader you see?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, funny. um. So I know you voted. I think I saw you had a badge and stuff. But um, do do you look at America differently from
0: over the ocean? Definitely. And you know, I was not uh, as political as I have been in the last two years. Uh, I'll say five years because uh, I only really got active in politics once Obama ran for president. I I. I was really behind his hope message. I was really behind his campaign. I even volunteered to work the polls, which is something I never even thought of before. And, you know, I really didn't watch the news that much because I always thought, oh, the news is depressing. It's biased. It's just going to give you the bad news. And I don't want to live my days feeling bad about things. But um, I became a mom. I became a homeowner all during Obama's presidency. And I felt like, you know, I'm missing out on being a participant. I'm missing out on having a say. I I even started uh, being involved in my city's uh, council, you know, neighborhood council. I was active in going to neighborhood meetings and knowing what's going on in our town that we were living in. And because of that, it's almost made me feel like I have an obligation as an expat because I am still an American citizen in a different, a foreign country to keep up my patriotism and me voting in this election is so important because of all the things that will affect my daughter's generation you know her daughter's generation you know my family that are still in the states i kind of am doing this for them even though i know i'm not physically there and i'm not suffering under the same things that they are suffering under or will be suffering under if things continue the way they go. So um, especially because of the Black Lives movement as well, I feel like I cannot just run away to another country and not feel like it affects me. It does affect me even on different soil. Mm. i met people here who are Americans in Paris who are Black, and they have shared their stories of racism in France. Uh, I did not even know that police brutality was happening here on the same level. And um, I just do not want to feel like, oh, I'm here in France. It's not my problem anymore. I I can Mm. just turn my back. So this is the earliest I've ever voted, and um, I definitely feel like I want to give people a sense of this is not just an escape. I'm not fleeing America because of its problems, because those problems are still basically following me where I go. So, you know, there's no safe haven in the world that you can go to, and there's no problems. So I kind of want to share the information I have with others that may be following my blog or following my Instagram mm. and let them know that, you know, I'm in this fight with them as well. I can't physically march with them in the United States, but I'm definitely here in France with a hundred percent solidarity with yeah. my brothers and sisters in LA and in the United States together. That's why I was saying the movie Antebellum felt so surreal because it's it's the premise of this woman had uh, all the accolades of a professor and she had uh, written books about uh, racism in America and she was giving talks to empower black people. And she she ended up getting kidnapped and put into a plantation. And you don't know, the movie kind of mind bends where you don't know if this is happening in the 1850s or if it's in present day and even if you watch the trailer they're actually out in the field picking cotton and then a plane flies overhead and you see the plane is there so it's just scary because there's no way i could have the resilience to live that lifestyle like just it just shows the resilience of, of people under that kind of trauma and it's vicious but i also recommend seeing it because it gives you a sense of okay now I know what my ancestors had to go through. I'm gonna fight even harder today. And mm. uh, I think a lot of people figure my vote doesn't count. Someone else will deal with it. it nothing's gonna change because nothing has changed in so long. And I definitely felt the lowest of low when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. I mean, yeah, I cried like she was a family relative. And because of these hardships that we're going through, we're losing great people left and right, I feel like we just have to be more um, hopeful and more empowered to keep up this fight. Mm. I, I am very very worried about November 3rd in the United States. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. That's why I'm voting as early as possible. I don't want my vote to just get cast aside because it came too late. And we know the famous French postal service. So I'm very happy we were able to vote at least a month in advance.
1: Yeah, yeah. It must be um hard to be somewhere else and not yeah with 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 everyone. It's funny as well, but yeah. I, I mean it's very different. It's a different situation in. England but it's the same problem and it's you know it's really started I start to ask those questions around race in France because I'm in the middle of nowhere you know Mm -hmm. and it's very white and yet racism is racism and it's anywhere you know it's Mm -hmm. not just because it's in big cities and you can tangibly see it and I've found that it's more subtle here Mm -hmm. it's just subtle and it's subtle in England, you know. It's subtle, and I was told that by somebody years ago. They said to me, "Wow, oh, well, England's worse because it's just subtle. You're really, it's it's almost just like gaslighting. You're really not sure. Are you? Is that because I'm black, or is that because this is policy, or you know?" Right. And in some ways, to weed something out that is just so difficult to grasp and to to describe, you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes it kind of. Um, you know, a, a global movement in the face of video footage is—is is you'd think, well, yeah, of course, right? And it's that like, it's like, well, I ask myself, what what do you do with the subtle stuff? You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what yeah. do you do? You know, a lot of about this this podcast is not about you know expats, and again, I, funnily, I don't I don't like the word expat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like it's always applied to white people with money. Mm-hmm rather than... well,
0: That's why I call myself an expat. Uh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm claiming that word. I'm, I definitely had people tell me, you know, you're an immigrant. And I say, well, I still am a US citizen. And until I have French citizenship, I'm going yeah. to call myself an expat. I'm, yeah. I'm still connected to my country. Yeah. I mean... I'm proud to be an American. When I lived in my house in Los Angeles, I had a French flag flying in front of my house. People would literally say, your daughter goes to a French school. Who in your family is French? And I'd say, no one. I just feel like that is my adopted city. I mean, I've I've always loved the French culture of reading. I, I, I see more people reading here than I see them on, on their cell phone. And there's an intellectual almost um, synophism. That's what people like to, instead of saying I have the bigger car, I have the bigger house, they like to say I have the bigger brain. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I feel like because of the racism that you mentioned here in France for um, migrants from African countries, that kind of opens up lanes for people like me who are not African and I'm not French, so um, I'm kind of in this category where people don't know whether to be racist towards me or to just kind of ignore me. I, I've been at the prefecture going for my visa, and when they see that we show our U.S. passports, we kind of get uh, go over there, kind of mean. But then they say, "Oh, where are you from?" and I say, "Los Angeles." right this way and i kind of get more of a red carpet treatment and as well as my kid as soon as she opens her mouth and speaks french they hear she has no accent and she gets so many doors open for us that we could not ourselves as immigrants in their country get and she's kind of my golden ticket wow that's why i take her with me to the Marie. everywhere <laughs> yeah she really, i was going to ask a question earlier do you feel like the racism in the UK has gotten worse due to Boris getting elected? Boris? Boris Johnson. What no. are your thoughts on Boris?
1: Um, my attention has shifted because I've been here six years now. and um, A lot of my attention has shifted to a more, I'm trying to figure out what the hell is happening here and mm-hmm. I keep an eye on what happens in England, but Um, I actually wouldn't, I don't know, I think Mm -hmm. is the answer, but I think there are things that are are much more undercurrent than who the prime minister is and how that would immediately affect something. I don't think Mm -hmm. he's kind of totalitarian, do you know what I mean? He's not kind of Mm -hmm. overtly inciting anything, unlike some leaders we know, but it seems to me that there are very old systems in place, um, like in France, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and these are all kind of either propped up by active, active racism or it's capitalism or it's just apathy, mm-hmm. you know, and these mm-hmm. things and perpetuate and it's all, we're all busy kind of raising children and trying to, you know, get through quarantine and all these things. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just this year, but it's, it, and it's kind of goes more to what I was saying before about when you see big targets, they're easy to hit, you know, you're easy to see them. You can right. explain them and you can communicate around them. When you have those subtle things that happen and systems that don't really want to root the problem out, mm-hmm. they kind of just want to placate the issue.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, and then you have a fight on your hands and then, mm-hmm. but then how do you, how do you fight it? is is right. the questions I have and I think a lot of it has to do with how we see one another how we treat one another and these things are all they're personal but the it's more tangible it's like how do you build your community and and it's the one thing I've learned from b- living in France because it was the first time I had to intentionally go about making friends
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: before it'd be like you know I was at school and then university and then I'm working right. and then you know you just you know community yes. kind of just Comes around, but here it was like, okay, (laughs) what am I gonna do? Starting from scratch, yeah, and kind of really being intentional—that's the word I was using—just to really ask people for a coffee, you know, and and that was tricky in the beginning because my French was just pretty non-existent, and um, and so sometimes it it was lonely, and, um, and you know, I was raising kids and stuff, so there were all those different layers and I, but I think Mm -hmm. also in the bigger picture of things, it's easy to get distracted, but at some point there's got to be a choice of, you know what, what, what's important Mm -hmm. and where do I want to put my energy? And I think that those are really important questions to kind of periodically ask, which I've been asking. Right. And kind of a lot of the reason why I'm, I'm starting a podcast, you know, to talk to other people right. and to,
0: yeah. Share it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy to me how I lived in Los Angeles for 40 years and I had a circle. I had a school circle. I had an outside-of-school friend circle. I had a family circle. And they were so isolated and different. Whereas here, um, because I feel like the new kid in town yeah I've um met people through other people and I've intertwined with you know American expat groups French people that I know French people I know through my daughter's school and they all seem to know each other and it's more inclusive where as before it's kind of like there weren't outsiders from my groups of friends at school, whereas here I know people through school that I also know through the American Library in Paris, and you yeah. know, everyone knows this person, and it's everybody's interconnected here. And I think it's because we are foreigners living in a, a different city, and you kind of have to cross the bridges and, and be friends with everyone. And I I love the fact that there's just a more diverse, just street i mean i i live on a street with people of so many vast ethnicities and and religious backgrounds versus in la it's you you, there's white people there's black people there's hispanic people and then there's asian people and that's kind of what we have and it's not like new york where it's more of a melting pot and there's more Mm. i mean i'm sure there's more diversity more diversity in Los Angeles that I just was not aware of because I was in that inclusive bubble so. and I'm, I'm really grateful that I have been forced outside of that bubble and I have been thrown into a you you need to get out and meet friends and uh, make an effort to meet someone that may not speak the language as well as you or you know you have a problem speaking their language it, it kind of forces you to push harder to, make a connection with somebody versus when in L.A., you have no language barrier, you have no, you know, you, yeah. you, you can kind of put on a fake persona with someone yeah. and you're not as vulnerable. Yeah. So your, your relationship is a little more shallow.
1: Yeah. Do you feel that gets changed, changing you being in Paris, uh, this whole experience?
0: Because I'm an only child, because I am from a small family, um, I've always had to push myself, um, whether it's me going to a new school and being the new kid in class, I kind of have to force myself to be outgoing and to put myself in a situation where I have to make friends or I'm going to a summer camp and it's a camp in a totally different part of Los Angeles, like uh, Catalina Island, which is an island very posh island um, I can put myself in that situation and then I can put myself in a situation where I'm around uh, people that don't do the posh life you know they're, they're not from um, the means to go to a summer camp on an island with boning and you know things like that I I've been able to always facilitate different environments and different personalities. Hmm. And I think that's just a skill that I've always had and that I can see Olivia developing because she doesn't seem to have a problem making friends anywhere she goes. And the fact that she's able to talk to her friends in Japan and she's trying to learn Japanese at the same time, which she's (laughs) probably going to conquer immediately. And she also has friends here in French that, in Paris, that uh, are from Serbia that are from Croatia, that are from, you know, Finland, she has such diversity in her life that I don't even think she has to think like, okay, which hat am I going to wear today? She's just used to it. And, um, for me, I've always been the odd man out, like, uh um, I feel like I stick out in Paris because not only am I a black woman, American woman, but I'm a plus-size woman who wears bright, loud colors, and I'm always have this smile plastered on my face. So you're gonna see me in a crowd, and like I notice most people are fighting their way through a thick crowd, but I seem to like part traffic people kind of (laughs) jump out of my way and like I get a lot of stares when I'm out and you know I'm just used to it I'm used to being an anomaly and I'm fine with that it's just a part of who I am and I don't mind being the sunshine that people seem to enjoy even though they may still have their rain cloud over their head you know like then it's go for it that's great
1: yeah that's yeah. lovely. Yeah, that's really nice. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute oh. pleasure.
0: Oh, it's been lovely. I could talk to you for hours.
1: I just hope that, um, it's just a shame that I couldn't come and to Paris and meet you and see you and do it in, in person. But as soon as we yeah, can, we I'm coming to Paris. and we sure. And we'll, we'll go on. I don't mind
0: coming out to the country. Oh, you I'm are just, very welcome. We'll only speak in French. Only if speak French with masks. <laughs>
1: thank Thank you so much oh but before we go let everybody know where
0: um they can find you on the interwebs i am at sun kisses sun s-u-n-k-i-s-s-i-s on Instagram, I am Sunkisses on TikTok, and my blog, www.sunkisses.com. Thank you so much.
1: If you enjoyed this episode of I Am French and would like to find out more, you can go to com, And you can also find me on Instagram
0: at I Am French Podcast. Merci.